Welcome to Women Inspired. I'm your host, Linda Ugolo, and on this show, I interview artists, healers, changemakers, and entrepreneurs about what fires them up and how they put their dreams into action. My guest today is a holistic health counselor, a food addiction coach, and author of the best-selling book, Why Can't I Stop Dieting? Welcome, Erin Wathen. Wathen. Yes. I'm great. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So, dieting. Dieting is something that probably most of us have dealt with at one point or another. Is there a problem with dieting? There is because the entire concept behind dieting is we go on, we go off, instead of truly getting to the root of the problem, which is why we needed to lose weight in the first place, which is because we were eating and we weren't hungry. Mm. So if we don't deal with their underlying problem, we're pretty much destined to repeat it. Mm -hmm. So because we diet, we end up needing to diet again. Wow, so it's uh, like a circular kind of battle. I refer to it like as a merry-go-round. A merry-go-round. Yeah. How, so what are the, how does it go around? Because we get on it with the intention of going off. So if we wanted truly to change, we change our eating habits. We change the way we look at food. We change our lifestyle. We don't decide we're gonna go on a 21-day cleanse and just do green juice because we want to look really great for the high school reunion. We instead decide to change our lives. So most of us have a short-term perspective, which is why we only get short-term results. Mm, short-term perspective, short-term results. So what's, what should we be doing instead? Figuring out why we're eating when we're not hungry or why we're eating when we're full or just really getting to what exactly is going on with us when we're reaching for the bag of cookies at 3 p.m. Are we annoyed at someone thing at work? Did we get a phone call that we didn't like? Are we restless about what exactly? Because when we go to the bag of cookies, a couple things happen. First of all, we still have the main problem over here, but now we have a distraction, right? And then chemically, we're gonna have fat, we're gonna have sugar, we're gonna have all these other things. So we're gonna have a major chemical reaction, which is exciting <laughs> initially. <laughs> but then we're gonna have a sugar high, then a sugar crash, and then a bunch of other really gnarly things are happening to ourselves. Do we up the sugar? Do we keep it going? Do we crash and feel worse? We have a whole drama with this. Meanwhile, over here is the problem that really needs to be addressed. That gets ignored because now we're thinking about how much our head hurts. Do we have more sugar? What's going on? So the main problem gets dismissed temporarily or maybe a, a bit forever. We're not really certain yet. But the added calories, the added fat, the added sugar, could very well keep us on a whole sugar binge the rest of the afternoon, which comes evening, which becomes until 10 o'clock, right? Because at 3 o'clock, we had a feeling we didn't like, and we decided to hide out with the food. I had a friend the other day that said she used to always eat candy at work when there was something she didn't want to do. She had to fire somebody, three musketeers, she had a meeting she didn't want, Skittles. I mean, there was a whole like matrix of what she didn't want to do and what from the vending machine, it would mean. <laughs> and now she doesn't do that anymore, and she said, I still have to fire people and have meetings, but now I no longer hide out with the vending machine. And I said, so how does that feel? She's like, well, I've lost eight pounds. I'm like, well, good. And I have a lot more change in my wallet. And I said, also great. And she's like, 
And when I'm actually in the meeting, I can pay attention. I said, well, three for three there. So when we don't actually deal with what we need to deal with, it doesn't serve us. But at the time, we think we're getting away with something almost, like a little kid. Mm -hmm. And it, all it does is kick the can down the road. Mm. You know, it's interesting because I, w well, I was going to ask you, well, what about if you substitute other things like cucumbers or radishes? Or, but that doesn't get to the original issue. You're still eating emotionally. You just may not be causing the same kind of havoc in your body. That's the kind of eater I am. Okay. Yeah, no, I, I, I mean, there are lesser things. I mean, let's say that cucumbers are better than, you know, plated nachos. But, you know, eventually you want to work towards understanding what is that trigger. And I know for myself, a lot of times it's brain power. It's like I'm, I'm writing on the computer and I get to a point that it feels hard. It's like, oh, I have to think about that one. Run up to the kitchen and... What can I eat? Yeah, especially if you work from home, I can find it very challenging to keep the food away because you know, you're feeling a little bit of like an energy slump or just a little bit of something. And while you're at work, you might go get a little dopamine hit from a coworker, right? Or you might just get a little something from somebody else. But when you're working from home, oh, look, brownies, or oh, what's happening in the fridge? So. Often, you know, I, people that work from home that are my clients, we have other strategies. But yeah, it's very easy to do. Mm -hmm. Because your energy slumps, you're feeling a little frustrated, you want to change the channel in your brain, or maybe you're just feeling like you need a little something. Mm -hmm. When there's so many other ways to cope with that besides food, but we're so used to food. Mm -hmm. Let's face it, we're little kids. Food is celebration, food is love, food is grandma, food is holidays. And we kind of need to just completely relook how we look at food and have it be fuel, not entertainment and fun and comfort and mm -hmm. distraction. Yeah. So that's interesting that you say, you know, we use food as our go-to when something is either uncomfortable or maybe we're tired and we need to boost our energy. Or So what kinds of, how do you, what do people do instead or what do you suggest people do instead? When your energy is low? Or when you have that trigger of wanting to go to the food for whatever reason. Oh, I would have my clients or have anyone out there, when you're obviously having a good day or just eating a meal and things are going well, make a list of other things to do besides eat. I have um, people do this in the holidays or in the summer. Things you can do, you know, call a friend, journal, buy shoes online, you know, all the things you can do besides putting something in your mouth because there's so many ways to cope with frustration, restlessness, anger, sadness, whatever, besides food. But so many of us are used to food, right? But once you do it the first time, you sit with the uncomfortable feeling, it really lasts 15 to 20 minutes maximum. And the first time you sit with it, it seems like forever. Mm. But once you do it, it's like a muscle. It gets stronger and stronger and stronger. But the habit is so strong in most of us that it's like Pavlov's dog, like discomfort food, discomfort food, until we realize there is a better way, but we have a lot of years of conditioning we need to work against. Right, so you need to make a new kind of conditioning. Absolutely. So, so do you think that it's, like you mentioned a couple of things, one is to have a list of other things that you can do, and the other thing you mentioned is to kind of sit with that feeling. Yeah. Is there one that people might want to do first, or like is it, 
Would you recommend people have their list ready first and then learn to sit with it? Or do they just kind of bite the bullet and sit with the discomfort? Well, I would discourage any biting. <laughs> <laughs> that was not the right metaphor. <laughs> um, I would just, you know, when things are going well, make a list of things you like to do that is not food. You know, whether it be go for a walk, call your best friend. Like I said, journal, you know, buy things online, I don't know, watch 20 minutes of Netflix, whatever. So when you're having that slump, that whatever. That moment. That moment, you can go to it because it's when we don't have that go-to list that those old habits, okay, discomfort cookie. So have that and be a little bit prepared for the first couple of times to feel uncomfortable, like anything new you've ever learned, whether it be a language, or you know, physical movement, learning how to do Pilates or public speaking. The first couple times you do anything, you're like, this is uncomfortable. Wait, that's what it feels like to do something new. So it's supposed to feel a little bit uncomfortable. But we're so used to not feeling uncomfortable and running away from discomfort. As a society, we don't like that. But it's just a new skill. If you think of it as a new skill, it's not as scary. Mm -hmm. That's great. So all the things that you're suggesting, I realize, well, they're applicable to me. Thank you so much. <laughs> Anytime. Someone who works from home. People who are working in an office setting may not have that flexibility to go take a walk when they have that feeling come up or watch Netflix. Or So what does someone in an office setting do? You can always just get up and walk around your office, you know, sit down, you know, do some stretches. There's lots of, you know, chair yoga you can do or just close your eyes, deep breathe for like inhale for five, exhale for seven. There's a lot you can do to just center yourself and just take a moment for yourself and realize whatever problem I have is not going to be solved by putting something in my mouth. But we're so used to it. And let's face it, it kind of worked for a long time, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So what's your story? How did you come to be interested in all of this? Well, I was one of those women who was always on a diet. Like, since I was about 14 years old, I was either on a diet or very much not on a diet. I was never just living. And I remember the first time I went on a diet, I was 14, and I lost 30 pounds over the summer between my freshman and sophomore year of high school. Wow. I lost so much weight, the teachers thought I was a transfer student. And I remember being really offended by that. Now I think 30 pounds is an amazing amount of weight to lose in 12 weeks. Like, why didn't somebody take me aside and ask me if there was a problem? But, okay, fine. So ever since I was about 14, I'd always had this sort of, and I call it the white noise in my book, of how many calories I'd eaten that day, you know, how much I needed to exercise. It was this constant... It's obsession with my weight, you know, how much I needed to eat or hadn't eaten or wanted to eat. But the problem was, is because I was always dieting with every diet there is the binge. And I ended up eating a lot of sugar and drinking a gallons of Diet Coke, like, which now I know that artificial sweetener is even worse than sugar. Oh. But we didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Like, think about like, the 80s with, you know, all the Diet Coke and Tab or whatever. So, for years and years, I was always on a diet. And yet, I wasn't ever feeling comfortable where I was. So unless I was willing to really dig deep and realize what was going on, and this entire time, I exercised a ton. I was a Pilates teacher, a spin teacher. 
yoga. I mean, I'm trying to think of what else I was certified in. So I was, it wasn't the exercise part. It was the food part. But it was also what I was eating instead of looking at my life because that's when I realized what the problem was. Sure, I was eating a ton of sugar and artificial sweetener, but why was I eating so much sugar? What was behind the sugar was when I really started to see something as far as like, what is systemic in me that is making me go to sugar instead of dealing with, you know, the uncomfortable conversation I just had with my mother or, you know, someone at school pickup that wasn't nice to me or, or whatever life was giving me that day. So until I was willing to see that for what it was, I really wasn't able to make all the connections. And once I was, I felt like I, you know, discovered the cure for everything. And I wanted to tell other people about it. And I really got into nutrition and I felt like there was such a huge amount of just misconceptions out there. So many of us think it's all about calories in, calories out, or the latest fad. You know, this week it's intermittent fasting and keto, right? Last week it was something else. Next week, who knows what they're going to throw at us. When, when it all comes down to it, it's actually our relationship with food and what we're doing when, when we're not hungry. I think really it comes down to it. But once I figured all that out, I wanted to tell other people about it because it's truly what's changed my life. So what, how did your life change? Well, first of all, I dropped 15 pounds without dieting. I was able to write a book and start a business with all the extra time in my head because not obsessing with, about my weight constantly gave me a lot more energy and, quite frankly, bandwidth. <laughs> and it just gave me a perspective on how to help people because I'd helped myself. Before, I really didn't have the capacity to help anyone else because I needed help so badly. Now I can speak to you know, clients or give talks in which I understand why everyone's hiding in food or why the 3 p.m. energy slump ends up in a Snickers bar. Before, I was just too consumed with my own stuff to really understand how to help anyone else. Mm. Yeah. So the people you do help, is it generally people who have 10 or 15 pounds to lose or do you have among your clients people who may have more substantial number, like maybe they're 100 pounds overweight? It kind of, it really does run the gamut because, you know, the 10 to 15 pounds person like I used to be to the 100 pound person, it's varying degrees but it's very much the same problem. It's just a matter of how long it's gone on and, you know, the just kind of extremes, it all comes back to the same underlying cause. Like you're eating when you're not hungry, you're buffering your feelings, what's really going on? Now, the 100 pound person, they might not really be able to relate to the 10 or 15 pound person as much as I can because I understand the 10 or 15 pound person might not have, you know, stuff about like different stores or they might not be perceived differently socially as a hundred pound overweight person but to me it's all the same thing in that and the solution is the same yes they're misused they were misusing food they were you know buffering their feelings emotional eating and oftentimes the hundred pound person is a lot more willing to accept what I have to say or just the 10 or 15 pound person because they think they can do it already they seem to get serious or they just need to finally decide what they're going to do. While the 100 pound person is a lot more likely, quite frankly, put their ego on the side 
and surrender to the process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So how do you take people through a process? First, I figure out where they want to be. And I talk a lot about, you know, not just the number or the size, but how do you want to feel in your new body? To walk me through a day in your new life. Not just what size clothes you're wearing or what stores you're shopping in, but how do you feel now that you're no longer kind of tormented by food? You know, how are you carrying yourself differently in the world? How does that feel? And once that is sort of in this established in their mind, I also take a pretty good detailed history of their life with their weight. Like, when did you start dieting? What happened? Like, when did everything kind of get messed up? Because like with me, I can pinpoint it to when I was 14 and 30 pound weight loss that summer. And many of us have similar stories to, you know, most of the time it's when we're teenagers, like something happened or someone said something. So to get a good sense of where someone's at helps a lot with where we're gonna go because so many of us have been doing this for decades. So that's what I usually start with, is where you started and where you wanna be, because where you wanna be is not just, like I said, a number, it's also how you wanna feel and how you wanna think. Because where you wanna be when you weigh X, how do you wanna solve your problems? And once I really can talk to clients about, so when you are, quote unquote done, which you're never done, but for this purposes you're done. How are you gonna handle stress? Because you know what, your mom's still gonna make you crazy, your sister-in-law's still gonna call too much, and you might still get parking tickets. So what are you gonna do then? Good point. So getting them to realize once you solve the weight thing, yeah, other things might not be as bad, but you're still gonna get delayed flights. You're still gonna get potholes, and your kid is still gonna annoy you in the car. So be prepared. Great. Now, you, earlier you mentioned something about uh, diet sodas, and I know a lot of people turn to diet soda f so that they don't have the sugar. Can you speak to that? Yeah, sure, no problem. So the deal with diet soda is the reason everyone likes it is it gives your body the illusion something sweet happens, right? You take Diet Coke, get a little sweetness, your brain's like, oh great, something sweet happened. The reason it doesn't have any calories associated with it is because of the stevia or aspartame or whatever your various diet soda entails. But the part of your brain that the sugar would normally activate is activated enough to say, wait, where is the sugar? Why isn't that coming? So you're more likely to eat more sugar by the end of the day than you would be if you just had a regular soda. It's really crazy. And there's been lots of studies in which they gave people diet soda and regular soda, and time and time again, over like you know, certain periods of time, they will end up having more sugar, gaining more weight than if they just had the regular soda. So it's a lot of chemicals and what it does to your teeth and your intestines, and it's just better just to not even go there. Like I don't even drink any of that stuff anymore. Um, I was able to wean myself off of all artificial sweetener, I don't drink coffee because I don't like it black. I've tried with tons of you know, coconut milk. It just, I can't do it. So I'm strictly tea now because I just, unless coffee tastes like defrosted ice cream, I can't even stomach <laughs> it. <laughs> so, so I'm one of those weirdos that just drinks tea. But 
if you can, just drink it without any sugar because it's just a really bad way to start your day. It spikes your blood sugar, then it <coughs> crashes down. But I know that a lot of people, like, what about agave? What about stevia? You know, that's what I get asked a lot. So it makes sense. I get it. Like, why people ask these questions because we're promoted constantly, like sugar replacement, you know, you could have it all. Well, there's always a reaction in our brains to no matter what we have. So if you have to have something, go to agave, have less of it and less and less with the intention of eventually weaning yourself off. Mm. But natural is always better. Mm. And fruit? Fruit is really easy to OD on. Um, like Jamba juice, for instance, or any smoothies. Oh, every juice. Juice, uh -huh. I mean, because it's really concentrated. Mm -hmm. I did a lecture once where I took the back of a Jamba juice and the back of a Diet Coke, sorry, regular Coke, and the nutrition was identical, only the Jamba juice had two grams of fiber, which is next to nothing. But everyone thinks that smoothies are so healthy. Well, they are, but there's still an amazing amount of sugar in a short period of time. So fruit, ideally in the morning with fat and protein, I wouldn't eat it all day because it does still make your body want more sugar. Because the more sugar you eat, the more sugar you want. So ideally, less sugar. Wow. So um, you were first certified in different kinds of fitness modalities, and then you got into this. I'm just curious if you could speak about, like, were your first clients your fitness clients, or how did you make that transition? They actually were, <laughs> because when I was first in holistic health, they said, well, you're ready to get clients now. And I was like, so where do I get them? So I asked everyone, it was right after New Year's, and I, at the time I was teaching at a corporate gym, and I just sent out like a mass email, I'm like, hey guys, who wants you know New Year's resolution diet coaching? It's free, and of course everyone loves free. So my first batch of clients were like accountants <laughs> and you know professionals, and that's how I got them. And a lot of them did very, very well because I'd see them at the gym and then we'd have appointments and I would you know, check their food logs. And that's how I started was I just asked. Mm -hmm. And now they're like my biggest fans. That's fantastic. Yeah. And that, that's such a great, tool, I think, for people who are getting into coaching to offer something for free in order to, number one, get that experience, but two, get the testimonials, because if they do well with you, then they're going to bring in more clients. That's what I always advise new people, is you got to do it for free, get the testimonials, and then you can charge, because mm -hmm. you can't just go straight to charging unless you happen to be like a unicorn kind of a person. Mm -hmm. But the testimonials say a lot, because if you have all you need is a handful of them, and then you can kind of go from there. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. Well, I love to ask my guests to pull a, a card that has some kind of um, essence or sure. kind of strength. And you pick one and just riff on it, how it relates to your work. Boldness. All right, this is a good one. Um, like how I'm bold or... Or something that you want your clients to know or... I would say I'm definitely bold because I, I'm not always their friend. I'm always honest and I try to be kind, but I'm not always their friend. Like I accidentally ate half a cake. I'm like, okay, stop right there. Like you knew when you went to the kitchen and you got out of the fork where you were going. So let's just cut it. I have this saying that I use in my book about like, the booty call, like <laughs> I talk a lot about how we're breaking up with sugar. So much like the bad boyfriend in college, 
you don't call them at 2 a.m. to say hello. You're calling them at 2 a.m. for a reason. So let's just be honest here. So when you go to the movies and you go to the um, concession. The concession stand and you look at the candy, you're not just looking to say hello. So let's just be honest and it was kind of premeditated a little bit. So I'm very bold with, I love you, I'm here for you, but I need to be honest with you guys. Don't lie to yourself and don't lie to me because let's just cut out those bad habits because we know what we're doing. Like, let's stop it. No one makes you eat anything. People might give it to you. People might want you to. But at the end of the day, you do have a choice. I used to think that my kids would be so sad if I didn't eat ice cream with them in the summer. For real. I used to think, oh, they'd be so sad. Their summers would be ruined. No. They just care if they get ice cream. <laughs> they really do. So they get ice cream. I just don't eat it with them. And I don't think they've realized that they don't have as many opportunities for ice cream now that I don't eat it. They haven't figured that one out. But, you know, I had to realize, like, you know, cut it out. Like, they don't really care. Mm -hmm. But when I'm very honest with my clients, or even bold, perhaps, I'm like, cut it out. You knew what you were doing. You got to be honest with yourself, and you got to be honest with me. Like, let's just call it what it is. Mm -hmm. You went off the rails. What happened? What was, what was happening before you went off the rails? Okay, so you had a bad day at work. You were tired. You didn't plan ahead. How can we prevent that from happening again? And always learn from these mistakes. Always learn from these lessons, not just let it be, you know, eh, no, let's see what we can do next time. Okay, next time you need to make sure you have a bigger lunch or make sure that you debt, 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 because if we don't learn from them, it was just sort of a waste, right? Mm, yeah. So, but with health coaching, you have to be the coach, and coaches aren't always nice. Like when I tell my nine year old when he complains about his lacrosse teacher, sorry, lacrosse to coach. So teachers are always nice. Coaches sometimes are like... Tough. Yeah, you know, go out there, kid. Yeah. So with a coach, you know, come on. So if you're going to give a piece of inspiration to your clients, what would it be? It would be that you always have a choice. You can always decide you're gonna do something better or anything different. And just because you've spent you know, so many years being frustrated, you always can start tomorrow and decide, you know what, tomorrow's the day. That's great. So how do people get your book? How do people find you? My book is on Amazon, Why Can't I Stick to My Diet? And my website is ewwellnesssolutions.com. ewwellnesssolutions.com. Yep. This has been great. I have learned a ton. I'm going to go home and think about why I'm going to the refrigerator. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great. I'm sure a lot of people have learned from this and, and relate to all the things that you're talking about. Thank you. Yeah, it was great having you. So, if you enjoyed this episode, please come and watch every week that we have one on. And if you have a presentation coming up or if you need to make some videos, you're feeling a little bit worried or anxious about it, go ahead and download my free PDF guide, 10 Ways to Overcome Your Fear Speaking. You can get it free from lindayugalo.com forward slash blueprint. And I'll see you next time.